together we're saying look we're messed up God's doing a work we're not as we used to be we're not how we should be but God loves us and he's doing a work in our lives and we believe that God's grace is more sufficient than the mistakes that we make but you got to ask yourself today who are you following are you really letting Jesus be in the pole position the driver's seat of your life it's an amazing thing to be fully known and fully loved to have someone else know all your broken and crooked pieces and keep on loving you. Today, Pastor Daniel reminds you once again that this is the love that Jesus has for you. He knows that you mess up. He knows that you want to be your own boss much of the time. He knows everything about you, the good and the bad, and he still welcomes you with open arms. This is the good news of the gospel. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 16 as he continues his message, The Need for Honesty. psalm of repentance after his adultery and murderous heart with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You see what he says? He says, God, against you I've sinned. Like, he's ruined a family and an extended family, and he's brought, cast dispersions on his own reign and his authority. He's like, Lord, against you I've sinned. So we need to be honest about sin. Next, at the end of verse 24, You need to reflect on who you follow. We need to reflect on who we follow. Notice what it says. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I think an important area of self-reflection is to reflect and be honest about what are you following? What are you chasing after? Now, it'd be really convenient to say, well, hey, we're in church. We're all following and seeking after Jesus. Really? Are we really all doing that? Some of us are following and seeking after success, following and seeking after something that we want. One of the things that I've learned is that in each one of our hearts, there are competing motivations. And sometimes Jesus is in the pole position. He is in the driver's seat. But other times, guess what? There's something else in the pole position. There's something else in the driver's seat. And I do believe in Jesus, but there's really another thing that I'm following. And if we're self-reflective, oftentimes it's hard to remember who we're following because there are so many competing motivations. I remember when I realized as a young husband and a young father that I wasn't doing a great job of providing for my family. 
I didn't have life insurance and I didn't have a retirement account. I didn't have any money in savings. I'm like, uh-oh. And so I began to follow the path of how do we accumulate wealth? Not that it was a bad thing, but it can't be what I'm following. But it was. Sometimes we get interested in health and really the main driver of our lives are some ideal of physical health. Be like, oh, really? I'm, re I'm just following after having a six-pack abs. And your religion becomes that. I know people who are more focused on hitting their BMI than they are on talking about Jesus. And it's completely backwards. We have to make sure that no matter what it is that we're pursuing, Jesus is in the driver's seat. And it's not wrong to understand finances to take care of your family. It's definitely not wrong to be healthy. It's not wrong to pursue your career excellently. But you have to make sure Jesus is the person you're following. Jesus is primary, and those things are subordinate to the glory of Jesus. And the purpose is. And for a lot of us, there's something right now that's in your life that is actually has the wheel of your life, and Jesus is actually subordinate to that. It's like when I talk to people who are struggling financially, and they always say the same thing. They say, well, I, I can't give to the Lord because I got to make sure I get my emergency funds. I'm studying with Dave Ramsey or whatever. It's like, so what you want to do is you want to rob God to make sure that you have the right amount of reserves. I'm like, look, man, if God ain't in your reserves, then you ain't got no reserves. But it sounds counterintuitive, right? I got to get this thing taken care of. No, you got to make sure Jesus is in the first place, and then everything else you place underneath, this is the priorities of Jesus, because we need to deny ourselves. We need to take our priorities and put them in the back seat and put Jesus in the front seat and his priorities. And then you say, Lord, because you're my priorities, how do I steward my own body? That's an important thing. Because of my priorities, how do I steward my career? That's an important thing. Lord, because you are the priority, how do I steward this next thing that is part of my life? Who are you following today? The Apostle Paul got this right. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. For I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech and wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The Apostle Paul was a smart dude. He was well-learned. He could have come in the wisdom of everybody. He was your classic overachiever, highly intelligent, well-pedigreed, intellectual. He could have come and said, well, listen, this rabbi said this, and this guy said this, and the rhythm of the Greeks is this, this, this. He said, look, I didn't come with all that. I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because he's saying, look, I am following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, and I'm going to follow him relentlessly. And everything else that goes on, following Jesus is going to take the primary place. He said it again in the book of Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Wow. He's saying, look, the only thing that I'm going to boast in is Jesus. See, this is why. Remember I keep saying... It's essential for our understandings of who we are to place the cross of Jesus Christ right in the centerpiece. Why? Because the Apostle Paul and the early church taught us that, that everything we need to know about ourselves, we find at the cross. See, the Apostle Paul, being a Jewish man, talking to the church in Galatia, remember what happened in Galatia? They were trying to make Christianity legalistic. 
oh, you need to do this thing and this thing, and you get circumcised, you need to worship on this day, this thing. He's like, look, in Christ, circumcision nor circumcision doesn't avail anything. All that matters is what? A new creation. You know what the single largest critique we get as a church that I hear about is that we're not legalistic. That we don't have this legalistic. You know how we get those critiques? From people who are legalistic. And I'm like, you bring them to the verses, but when somebody is stuck in an identity based on a false version of the gospel of grace, they can't see it anyway. It's a blind spot. Circumcision or uncircumcision. He's like, look, it doesn't matter what you do with the foreskin on your privates. All that matters is that you are a new creation whom the Son has set free. So then you ask yourself, what is the... Hold on before you clap. (laughs) What is the contemporary foreskin on your privates that you think is more important than being a new creation in Christ? And you talk to different churches. You got to worship on this day. You got to make sure you read this type of Bible. And God forbid the pastor has any hair. Somebody said, man, Fusco, your hair. I'm like, listen, if I stay at Crossroads long enough, it'll all be gone anyway. (laughs) But seriously, we have these hobby horses that are completely missing the point of, are you a new creation in Jesus? Because when you become a new creation in Jesus, then Jesus starts to unwind all this other stuff. It begins with and ends with this new creation. So ask yourself, who are you following? So people, so they say, oh, what kind of church is Crossroads? It's a Christian church. Why is it a Christian church? Because we believe in Jesus. It's like, well, what's your, I'm like, we're we're Jesus people. Because you get to heaven, it's not going to be like, well, should I let you in? Well, I was a good Baptist. I was a good Presbyterian. I was a good non-denominational pre-tribulational rapturist or whatever. (laughs) Say, I believe in Jesus. Jesus died and rose again. And I am a train wreck enough to know that I need him to forgive me because I've made so many mistakes. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus and you feel like you're kind of a train wreck, maybe a real big one or a real little one, then join the club. That's why we're all here. We believe in Jesus because we need to believe in Jesus. We are not here saying we got it all together. We're saying, look, we're messed up. God's doing a work. We're not as we used to be. We're not how we should be. But God loves us and he's doing a work in our lives. And we believe that God's grace is more sufficient than the mistakes that we make. But you got to ask yourself today, who are you following? Are you really letting Jesus be in the pole position, the driver's seat of your life? Or is there something else that isn't a bad thing, but when you take a not Jesus thing and you make it the most important thing, it becomes a huge problem. So we got to check who are we following. Now look what happens next, verse 25. It says, for whoever desires to save his own life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, this is important. We need to check our reasons. Check your reasons. You want to be self-reflective. You got to ask yourself, why am I doing these things? Notice what he says. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. So if your desire is to not deny yourself, to keep your own priorities as the most important thing. If you desire to do that, if you want to save that, then you're going to lose it. And it says, and if whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So now remember what we said, that it begins with being honest about who we are and putting God's priorities first. That's why reflection is about looking at the face of Jesus, not the face of our peers or the people around us. See, now what we have to find is if your reasons, whatever your reasons are, they drive the actions that you have. Isn't that what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount when he was interpreting some of the Ten Commandments? 
said, you've heard it said you shall not murder, but I say if you hate your brother, then you've murdered him already. He's heard it said, don't commit adultery, but if you have lust in your heart, you've already done it already. See, what he's saying is that the motivations behind our actions are the problem. The actions are just the symptoms that you can see of the heart motivations. And so we have to check our reasoning. You and I need to say, why am I doing this? And in this case, he's saying, look, if you want to keep your self-styled priorities as number one, ultimately you're going to lose your life anyway. That the outgrowth, the eschatological, that's a good theology word for you. That means in the end of days, when all the books are open and God brings forth judgment at that last day, if you desire to keep your own priorities, you are going to lose your life. You're going to miss out on what real life is. But if you are willing to give up your life, Jesus says, for my sake, then you're going to have life. You see why this identity is so important now? Because if you do not say, I am going to let the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus be the thing that drives my life, you will seek to save your own life. You will seek to push your own agenda for your entire life. But ultimately, you lose your life. You miss out on everything that life is really meant to be. You are, in a sense, the living dead right now. You never thought of yourself as your own little zombie apocalypse, did you? <laughs> but if you're willing to say, God, I am going to say I give up my plans and my purposes, and I'm going to let your plans and purposes be the driving force of my life, that's where true life is found. Ask yourself right now, what reasons is God checking in your own heart? Take a moment and just, what is God welling up in your heart right now? Because you say something like that, if I just move to the next point, you might miss the, look at the motivation that I have for that thing. Let the still, small voice of God by the Holy Spirit speak. And don't just dismiss it. Grab hold of it and say, I'm going to seek the Lord on this. I'm going to talk to my loved ones and my mentors and the people around me about this. You got to check your reasons. That's part of being self-reflective, isn't it? Is being able to say, this is what I do and why. What's amazing is, is oftentimes we're really good at thinking we understand other people's motivations, but we don't actually look at our own, right? Isn't that what they did? Adam and Eve fell. Nobody wanted to own what they did. They just wanted to blame the other person. How often do we misunderstand somebody else's motives because we think we get, but we don't? because we're so busy trying to check their motives rather than checking our own. That's why the Bible says that we shouldn't judge one another, not only because God is the judge and he's the one who sees righteously, but at the same time, we got more than enough issues where we live, right? It's like, ain't no one got time for judging someone else. I got a whole lot of stuff I got to look at right here. Home team is rough enough, so to speak. So you got to check your reasons. Now, verse 26, look at what we see next. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Brothers and sisters, we need to value eternity or value what is eternal. You see what Jesus says? He's talking about discipleship. He's talking about what it means to follow me. He's saying, listen, what does it get a guy if he gains everything and he loses his own soul, or what will he give in exchange for his soul? See, he's using language of commerce or economics. Basic economics is, I'm willing to give you this to get you this thing back. Like, if you like your 
designer coffee, or if you just live in Portland and you can't drink any normal coffee, you have to drink single origin, roasted from this guy and that thing, right? And they don't even give you any milk. It's just water and this crushed up bean in a drink. And you're saying, look, I value that more than I value my four bucks, right? That's how it works. I'm willing to exchange this for that, right? Jesus says that in the midst of your decision-making, we need to value eternity. He's saying, what does it profit a man if he gains everything and he loses his own soul? See, too often, the reason we don't make God-prioritized decisions is we're not thinking long-term. We're just thinking about the moment. And our culture today is so bad at self-control because we are so designed for the immediate gratification of the senses. Everything about you can have it your way. You could have it yesterday, faster, quicker. Not a bad thing in the name of efficiency, but what it has also accomplished is undermining our ability to think long-term to think beyond the next five minutes. And in our understanding of who we are, we have to learn how to value the things that God values. There's an old saying that I've heard, when soon this life is past, only what we've done for Christ will last. He's saying the only thing that is truly eternal is what has been done for the glory of Christ. And that is a true statement. So loving your spouse, loving your children, being a person of forgiveness, choosing the narrow gate and the difficult way of God's glory. Those things will last for eternity, but everything else is temporary and temporal. And we're so driven to make temporary decisions about temporal matters rather than saying, I want to make decisions that impact eternity for the glory of God. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a pastor of a church, and I have to remind myself every day, Daniel, think about eternity. Think think about when it's all said and done and all this is over, what's really important? And I'm just being super vulnerable. It's a challenge because we live in a world that pushes everything to what do you want now? How do you get what you want now? And sometimes the plans and purposes of God, oh, Always the plans and purposes of God are never expedient. They're never efficient. They always like, think about what we are. We're the church. God's plan to bring his message to the world is us. How many of you would have chosen that if you were the true and living God? (laughs) We're going to come up with a million better ways to get this thing done than jokers like me and you. I mean, God chose to put his spirit in his people. If I was God, I would have taken, you know, a robot, muscular, big, loud voice, smart, you know, perfect people. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it that way. It's just like if God was general manager of a sports team, got the first pick in the draft, chooses the worst collegiate football player ever. I'm going to make my team with that guy. Yeah. You don't like to think of yourself as that, do you? But you look at the people God chose. I mean, Peter couldn't get out of his own way. All the apostles, I mean, they were bickering and fighting and all this stuff is going on. And God's like, Jesus, the Lord's like, yeah, these are my disciples right here. Oh, yeah, we're going to put Paul in the mix too. We like the murderer guy. Yeah. We're going to mess up team chemistry real good. This is the guy who's been hunting them down. We're going to put him on the team. That's going to be great. Yeah. God's ways are not normal ways. 
And you got to ask yourself, are you valuing eternity in the way you see your life right now? Are you thinking about the whole thing, not just 30 years or 50 years or 80 years, but you're thinking ages upon ages without end. And you're factoring that into your decision-making right now. It reminds me, of course, of Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, where it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's saying, lead me on the paths that lead to eternity. So many of our decisions are made with only the temporary in mind, and it completely cuts the legs out of who we're meant to be in Christ. See, the Lord's not saying neglect the present for the future. He's saying include the future in your decision-making about the present. He's not saying forget now for later. He's saying remember later, and that will properly inform now. We have one more thing I want to share with you. Look what it says in verse 27, speaking about this need for reflection, this need for identity. Look what it says. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Now, remember I said that there's going to come a time when the books are going to be open and you get everything now, but you really lose your life and all these different things. Now Jesus reminds them that he's going to come back with his father's glory with the angels. And it says he is going to reward each according to his what works. What does this teach us? Actions reveal. You want to understand who you are. Look at who you are. Look at what are the actions of that I do and in my life and what is the fallout from those actions and that will give you a perfect mirrored view of who you are right now. Now that's a terrifying thing, isn't it? Because oftentimes we don't really view our actions based on what they are. We actually view our actions based on our best possible set of motivations and we have a tendency to want to put blinders on to the impact of the decisions and the way that we carry ourselves are. The actions that you do every day, what happened yesterday, what happened the day before, whatever the fallout of it, that reveals who you are. Now listen, I say that and it's kind of a horrifying statement. This is who I am. This is what I am. This is how I am. But then we're reminded of the fact that God is not done with us yet. That there's not a person here who the revelation of our actions leaves us feeling a bit uneasy about who we are. And my friends, that is why we believe in Jesus. That's why. Jesus is real. We live in a world that's all about right now, getting what you want immediately. Well, today, Pastor Daniel shared that it's vital that you live with eternity in mind as a follower of God. You need to factor eternity into your plans. God's work in you and in this world are on a totally different timetable than yours. He's working from the big picture, not your small moments in time. When you keep eternity in mind, you'll include the future in your decisions about the present. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? 
Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio, and Pastor Daniel will explain that loving yourself doesn't mean giving in to every little thing your heart desires. You'll learn that self-control is essential to learning the art of living, how to live out the life that Jesus came to give you. Pastor Daniel will explore how having self-control will change your life for the better and help you connect with the Lord. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called The Art of Living. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.